But out of his own lips, he says, but isn't that sort of like fleeting? Isn't that just, you know, it's only a momentary thing. I wish there was something that's, that was more meaningful. So I got a chance to talk to him briefly while my head was in the thing about Jesus and what he offers. So I love the fact that, you know, people in Toronto, uh, the Jesus People Movement, uh, where people just became, just out of the blue, people became followers of Jesus like crazy, left, right, and center. And that's about to happen again. People like that guy are going to be asking the right sort of questions of themselves. And they're going to be finding the answers, aren't they? Okay, before, I've, I've got a message ready to share, but before we do that, uh, because I've heard this a couple of times, I want to um, quickly address, this is for free, everybody. For the last week or, or more, I've heard this very um, spiritual, very, you know, it's, there, it's a, there's a good meaning behind this. But I've heard people say, okay, everybody, now we're going to come before the Lord, and as we begin this meeting, or as we begin this, 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 this event, we're going to push everything of the week aside, push everything of the day aside, and we're just going to come and focus on Jesus, and we're going to worship Him with all of our hearts and souls and minds and strengths. And everybody loves, I mean, that's good, isn't it? That sounds like a really profound and, and, and wonderful thing to do, because behind it all is the the um the desire to you know focus and worship Jesus the way he deserves but i want to offer and that's cool but i want to offer a sort of a slightly different option um here's what i want to offer i want to suggest that when when you when you're going before the Lord, you want to worship Jesus, whether it's your, in your own space in your own time, or in a corporate meeting. I wonder if it wouldn't be maybe slightly more biblical if we said, "Okay, you had a crappy week. You're having a rough time with your family right now. You're having financial problems. Let's bring it to Jesus as we begin our worship." That's to worship Jesus in the midst and with, with, with full consciousness of, of these difficult things. Because when I read the Bible, when I read the book of Psalms, for example, when I read Psalm 13, that's exactly what David did. How long, oh God, how long will I endure this, this situation? Psalm 42, he pours out of his heart the pain and it's in the process of pouring out his heart in the pain that he's able to push through and to see Jesus for who he really is. And at the end of every single psalm, when he starts that way, how long, oh God, he ends by saying, but God, you are so worthy of praise. You are so worthy to be glorified, to be magnified, to be exalted above every sing single situation. I think that's probably, uh, at least in my mind, that's probably a more in my mind, more a biblical way to do it. And I believe that when you do it that way, it's more real, is it not? It's more real because you're carrying the reality of, the, of, of, of this life with you and you're bringing it before the God who can actually do something about it. Right? You push it off to one side, it doesn't really go very far, does it? It's always at the back of, 
of your mind. Why don't you just bring it to God and say, God, here's what, here's what I'm going through right now. I'm going to worship you regardless. You know, uh, um, a couple of last Tuesday, every Tuesday we have a, a cluster meeting with some of our pastors over the Internet. And it was, this, this past one was probably the most profound uh, meeting I've ever been in. Because it was exactly that. I mean, the, the, it was exactly that. Every single person who was sharing, these pastors, people, pastors, holy men of God, and women of God as well, holy people who you think are supposed to be on a pedestal, every single one of them was able to share pain that they're either going through right now or have gone through. And every single one of them, if, if every single one of them, at the end of it, will say, but, but in the midst of that, I was drawn into a deeper intimacy with God. Because I chose to trust Him. I chose to say yes, even though this is horrible, even though my body's still in pain, even though the answers, even though I thought I heard you, and I acted on, on, on what I heard, and it didn't pan out the way I, the way I expected, yet... I will choose to trust you. And I believe that is true maturity in Christ. Amen? Amen? So I wanted to just get that off my chest because I prefer that way of doing it. And, and um, it was just amazing, that, that cluster meeting, because uh, it was like a feast. I was feasting on these brothers, my friends, who were sharing authentic stuff from their hearts and it brings us closer together i felt so much closer to them because because we're on the, we're in the same boat all of us we're all in the same boat we're trying to make this thing work we try to follow jesus the best we can through the twists and turns of life the circumstances of, of life we're seeking him we're going after him and we and, and we get to and we get to encourage each other with authentic experiences with God. Amen? So good. so good. That's all I have to say. Let's go home. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Happy Father's Day. I, I have a thing here. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the house. Wow, I thought that would... Did I make, a, did, did I make the switch too fast? Did I make the transition too fast or what? All right. Hey, that's, Miss, that's my daddy right there. That's my daddy right there. I want to take a moment just to honor this man because even though he was not perfect, far from perfect, uh, he was a very, very good man. He was, I call him, people call, not I call him, people call him Mr. Integrity. When he passed away a bunch of years ago now, he died too early, but when he passed away, all the people all the obituary, obituaries in the newspaper, people talking about him, the one, one of the common themes was that he was a man of integrity. He had a position of, of influence, and in that culture of the day, uh, it, it, it would have been very easy for him to take bribes and, and, and misuse his power, but he actually was a, a wonderful man. And, and, and on top of that, he had, you know, he had, he had me. But, uh, but he also had three amazing daughters. And he was the guy, this is back in the uh, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, when they were growing up. Um, 
contrary to the cultural norms, he encouraged them to pursue their dreams, right? You know, back in those days, the women were just supposed to, you know, be in the kitchen, wait, wait for a husband to come along, da-da-da. But he encouraged them to follow their dreams. And so my eldest sister was a, she had two master's degrees. She was a fantastic teacher in Halifax. Uh, amazing teacher, by the way. Um, I, I found out after she died, and people were writing in notes, I found out that so many students in her school, she's a high school teacher, sciences, uh, the, the, um, after she stopped teaching, after she retired, the number of students who wanted to go to university to study science completely plummeted after she stopped teaching. Such was her in, uh, influence and impact on students. My second sister lives in, she, you, some of you have met her, she, she, she's come here a few times. She lives in Scarborough, she went to U of T, got a job with Ministry of um, the Ontario government. Uh, my third sister um, was a VP of a bank in, in uh, New York City. She's now moved to Toronto because she would never admit this, but after she's retired, she would never admit this, but she moved to Toronto because she wanted to be closer to her family. <laughs> and she lives at Young and she lives two subway stops away from where we, where we live. Anyway, so that's my dad. He's a cool guy. Let's move on. Uh, the heart of our father revealed. I was looking at, at last year. What did I speak about last year? What did I speak about last year? And um, uh, I, so I looked at my notes, and I, I hit this message four points. I hit it hard, I think. I, I talked about the fact that fatherhood is at a very low premium. Fatherhood is a very low premium in, in the culture that they were. There's so much, um, um, you know, just really bad examples everywhere. And you watch TV shows, TV shows and movies and things out of Hollywood. They're typically the shaper of culture, the architect of culture, but also they, they, reflect, they reflect the culture. And so if you watch a TV show, for example, uh, you know, Pick one. There's, if, if there's a father in, in the thing, whether it's a sitcom or whatever, the father is either, you know, uh, sort of a, 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 a wussy, sort of a, the, brunt, the brunt of many, many jokes, right? Anyway, so fatherhood is a, is a very low premium. 81% of, of homes in, 71% of homes in, in America that, that are below the poverty line are single-parent homes, and the vast majority of them Mean, mean, it means that there's no fathers in the house. I went on to say that uh, um, uh, fatherhood is vital for human flourishing. That's not just, just a Christian thing. Social, social psychologists and social res researchers have shown the, the, the causative connection between families with good fathers in the home and healthy relationships, healthy development of kids. And those homes where they're not, where you don't have those things, you have the opposite. You have crime, you have uh, addictions, all, all those sort of, sorts of things. And then I said that in this day, in this hour, the father himself is revealing, accentuating his own fatherly nature. Amen? And, you know, this church is birth, this birth, this church is birth out of, um, 
uh, the powerful move of the Holy Spirit. And one, and one of the things that was emphasized in it was the fatherly nature of God, the love of God as a good, good father. And so many people, so many of us have had, a, have had our hearts healed and continue to have our hearts healed because we're getting in touch with the fact that this God who exists, who is powerful and invisible and beyond our comprehension, has revealed himself ultimately in Jesus to be a good, good father. Amen. Amen. And then I said last, we, last year that we need men to be fathers. God doesn't do things in vacuums. In a vacuum, he works with us as his church. And, and, and his, his redemptive plan is that we as men can begin to reflect the nature of God as father more profoundly. All right? But I'm not going to talk about that today. That was last Last, uh, last year, what I want to talk about is getting in touch with, with giving room for the Holy Spirit to come and to meet us and to touch us. In my experience, in my experience the way that I've, I've uh, received the revelation of the Father's love is actually twofold. It's, it's studying the Word of God, understanding the Word of God, understanding the revelation of God as a Father in the Scriptures, but then having the Spirit of God breathe on that and take it deep into my, hearts, in, in, into my heart. And so that's what I want to give uh, the, the rest of the time to, just to simply give a short reflection on what the Bible says about God as Father and then we'll, we'll ask the Holy Spirit to come and just come and meet us. I'm going to show a short video as well that has had profound impact on many people when we talk with the Father, heart of God. So here we go. The heart of the Father revealed. Point number one, the community of love. Uh, Father, I, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. What Jesus is saying here is that in his prayer, this is in John 17 when he's praying his final high priestly prayer before he goes to the cross. He's saying, I, I, I want them to, to have the same glory that, and the same love before the creation of the world. This kind of love that we've had, Father, the, the love that we have, you and I shared, and of course the Holy Spirit as well. This this. Triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit existed in what's, what we're referring to as a community of love. They loved each other. There was harmony. There was, there was um, uh, uh, honoring of each other. There, were, there was uh, harmony and peace. When the Father said, let us make man, for example, he, he, he never said, okay, I'm going to make man regardless of what you two guys think. You see what I'm saying? Together, there's a, there's a togetherness, there's a, there's a harmony and, and, and a co-functioning, co-laboring together in the Godhead because everything they did was based on love and honor before the creation of the world. So even before, even before power was released in the creation of the world, even before power was demonstrated in the creation of God, when God spoke and the, word, and the world became to be, before even power was demonstrated or released, 
love pre-existed. God is love. God is love. That's the core of who God is. He's, he's love and he's holy. And his love is holy and his holiness is lovely. Point number two, we are made for this love. We are made for this love. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my, sorry, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Is there anybody in this room who uh, loves Jesus? Is there anybody who sort of obeys his teaching? Okay, well, Jesus' promise is that my Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, their, their desire is that we enter into this pre-existing community of love. We get to join in this family, this community of love. And that's one of the main things that Jesus died to make available to us, that we get to be part of this vital living relationship with a loving God. We were created by this community of love and we were created for this community of love. Amen? Amen. Point number three. The Father's love has to be revealed. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Jesus has made the Father known. Jesus has made the, the fatherly nature of God known. And this is a very important point because there is no other system of belief apart from Jesus. There's no other system of belief that reveals to us that God is a good Father. Even in the Old Testament, there are four or five, there, there are four References to God as Father. But it's always within the, the context of the people. He's the Father to the people of Israel. Right? There's no, no, no sense of personal, fatherly interaction with God. Jesus is, is the one who makes that real to us. He makes that, he makes that um, obvious or real to us. He has made him known. He has made the fact that God is a good, good Father. He's made him known. We are, we are unable to reason our way to the truth of God as a loving Father. I've mentioned before uh, how this struck me a number of years ago when I was beginning to understand or receive this revelation of God's loving Father. I, w I was downtown Toronto um, walking through the streets and I went into a bookstore and I went to the religious section of the bookstore and there's a book, many, many different books, one of them was um, 99 names for God. 99 names for God. And there were some pretty cool names like, you know, uh, the, the, the merciful one or the beneficent one or, you know, whatever, a whole series of them. But which, which was the name that was missing? 99 names for God, what was the one missing? Father. That was not in their, in their worldview at all. In fact, they say quite the opposite. Jesus reveals God as a father to us. 
Jesus was chatting with, with, with his disciples one day, and um, and and uh, and uh, Peter says, or Philip says, uh, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? It is the Father living in me who is doing his work. So if we want to know anything about what God is like in terms of a father, if we want to know anything about what God is like, we look, we look to Jesus. He gives us the clearest, most um, uh, profound picture of what God is like. Amen? By his words and actions, Jesus reveals to us what the Father is like. So I want to give a couple of, in my reading of the gospel stories, I want to pick up a couple of illustrations of how Jesus demonstrated what God is like. My first one is the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. When he goes, you know the story, he's going through, he's going from Judea up to Galilee. He has to go through Samaria and he's, it's a long hot day. He gets tired. He sits by the well. He sends his disciples to go get some food. While they're gone, this lady from Samaria comes, and she's at the, at, the, at, the, um, at the well getting water. And Jesus begins to engage her in conversation. Can you please give me some water? And, he, and then he says, I'm go, I, I, if you knew who I was, I would give you living water. And she says, uh, what are you talking about? And he basically says, he actually reveals to her um, that he's the Messiah. While he hid this revelation from people in, 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 in Judea, in, in, in Israel, he was hiding this truth at that time anyway from the Israelites, but he revealed it to a, to a, to a Samaritan woman. And the story, and so in, in the middle of the conversation, he said to her, um, uh, uh, bring me your husband, or something, I forget exactly, bring me your husband. And she says, I, I have no husband. And then Jesus had a word of knowledge and says, that's you absolutely right because you've had four husbands and the man that you're living with right now is not your husband. And she says, oh my gosh, you must be, you must be from God. And I've always thought of, of that story as Jesus trying to bring this lady's obvious sinful condition. You, you've been married four times. You're living with a guy that's not your husband. I, I thought that he was bringing that, that condition of sin, of sinfulness to the surface so he could reveal to her that he's her savior. But then I, I, I heard a friend of mine who is a student of these things, of Middle Eastern culture, and he says that in that, in that time, uh, in that culture, uh, women were not allowed to divorce men. Women were not allowed to divorce men. So if this woman, if that's true, and if this woman had been divorced four times, who had been the one doing the divorcing? Right? So what would be the condition of her, of her heart? Rejected, abandoned, broken, painful. So what Jesus was doing he was bringing to the surface this lady's pain so he can reveal to her that he is her healer. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
This is what the Father is like. He's not willing, he's not in, interested in bringing, his peop, in bringing people's ugliness to the surface, though he can condemn them. He wants them to be healed. He wants us to be healed, to be set free. This is what the Father is like. You remember uh, in another story, I think it's in Ma uh, Mark 10, uh, Jesus is, is walking along and these kids are coming by and, um, and his disciples are rebuking them. Stay away. Leave the master alone. He is anointed. You'll, you will affect his anointing if you get too close. Um, but Jesus says, listen guys, take a chill pill. That's my version. Take a chill pill. Just relax. Let the children come to me because they are what the kingdom of God is actually made of. In fact, he says, you, you, you adults, if you, are not, if you don't become like a little child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Amazing that Jesus would say that in a culture where, where, where children were not valued at all until they've been bar mitzvahed, right? The, the, they had no real worth until they became bar mitzvahed. And Jesus is saying, come on, unless you have the same sort of uh, 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 trusting, sort of open heart as a child would, you cannot enter and experience the kingdom of God. This is what God is like. He who has seen me has seen the Father. He brings honor to people even when the culture would say they're not worthy of honor. Um, one of the favorite names that uh, Jesus was given was friend of sinners. Friend of sinners. You remember Zacchaeus? The guy who was up the tree, the short guy up the tree? He was a crooked businessman. Okay, he, was, he ripped off the people. He was a tax collector and he stole money, he extorted money from people on a regular basis. So he had a, even though he was short, he had a big house. Um, and, um, and uh, I amused myself by that. <laughs> and Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come and stay with you right now. He didn't say, Zacchaeus, I know your sin. You're a horrible, sinful person. Give back all the money that you ever stole to the people you stole from and do five push-ups or whatever it is. <laughs> do some penance. He says, let me, let me come to your house, Zacchaeus. Let me come to your house. And just by hanging out with Zacchaeus, just by hanging out, there's no record of him preaching to, to Zacchaeus. He had a meal with the guy. And it's in the process of that that the conviction of the Holy Spirit came to him. And he says, Jesus, I'm, I'm actually going to do this. I'm going to return everything that I, I took from people. I'm saying that to say that this is, the, this is what God is really like. If we present God in any other fashion to the world around us, we are misrepresenting who God is. I, I, I know my instinct is, is, is when I know that person is, doesn't believe the same thing as I do, especially if it's an extreme sort of a thing, I would rather keep my distance and stay safe in my little Christian bubble with my lovely wife and a few friends, but Jesus' example and the Father's example is that he goes out 
and he hangs out with the people who would be absolutely against him. But he wins them over just by being who he is. You know, every single person, think about it in the Gospels, every single person who ever came into the presence of Jesus left feeling better about themselves. They felt encouraged. They felt, I can take on the world. They felt good about themselves. In fact, the only people, the only people who didn't feel good about themselves in Jesus' presence were the religious people, the ones who thought that they had a monopoly on God, the ones who thought that they, that they knew it all, that they, all, they had all the answers. They were doing all the right things, making all the right steps. Yeah? He who has seen me has seen the Father, Jesus says. This is what God is like. Point number four. The Father's love comes through the Holy Spirit. You've heard me say Romans 5, 5 a million times. right? The love of Christ has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And of course, Romans 5, 8, which is what... um, um, Uh, Rachel started the the service with reading Romans uh, chapter 8. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. We come against that spirit of fear and anxiety that wants to torment people and we say, out in Jesus' mighty name. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Amazing. What Jesus did by nature in the, gar- in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus, in that painful moment of his life, he cried out in Mark, Abba, Father. He did that because he was by nature, by in essence, the Son of God. But we can do that now. He's giving that to us. He's giving that to us That's the gospel. He's giving us the capacity to also cry out, Abba, Father, because we've been adopted into God's family. We get to cry out, Abba, Daddy. Even in Israel today, even in Israel today, kids, whether they're little kids or older kids, they still refer to their dad as Abba. Abba, Father, Daddy, God. We get to do the very same thing. But it takes a work. It takes, it takes the work of the Spirit to put that deep into our hearts. We can talk about it, teach about it. It can go into our heads. But until the Spirit of God brings it into our hearts, the place from which we live our lives, it isn't going to bear fruit in terms of changed lives, changed attitudes, changed self-perception. I tell you, one of the biggest one of the biggest. Um, benefits of coming into an, an understanding that God really is my good, good father, that I am his favorite son. I am his favorite son, everybody. The biggest, one of the biggest fruit or evidences or benefits of that is that I get to walk in a greater measure of uh, centeredness, security, that I'm not as pushed around as I used to be by other people's opinions. I can be myself, awesome and broken at the same time. Come on. Because I'm loved and accepted and approved of by the one who matters the most. 
Amen? This is the revelation God is giving to us. It's not just for us, because when we live in this revelation, it's going to make an impact on the world around us. We're going to represent and represent Christ better out there, because we're full of love and grace. All right. The Holy Spirit makes this, this love real in our hearts. I've already talked about that. Okay, so check your heart, everybody. You ready for this? We're moving into some ministry time now. Check your heart. There are a couple of obstacles that people, that we have, we've all had, uh, when it comes to understanding and receiving and, being, and benefiting from the work of the Spirit as He brings this revelation of God to our hearts. There's, there's a couple of, of obstacles. And the first is, or one of them is, when we have actually made judgments of our own earthly father. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. That's in Ephesians, that's New Testament. It's also said in, in, in Exodus and in Deuteronomy. Honor your mother and your father. It doesn't say honor your mother and father if they're perfect, if they're the best parents ever. Honor your mother and father, period. Honor your mother and father. And I don't want to for one moment uh, um, devalue anybody who's had a really difficult upbringing with your father. I know that there's been, in a, in a room like this, there's lots of people who have gone through painful things with your dad. Um, I, I've had some painful episodes with my dad as well, which I've had to have ministry for over the course of time. Um, but, but whatever it is, it, whether he's been an absent father, whether it's been divorce or death or whatever it may be, whether he's been an authoritarian father, controlling, squishing, uh, uh, oppressing, whatever sort of father he's been, the, the requirements of the Lord is that we honor. We honor our fathers. And so I, I want to, so before we go any further, I want to say let's check our hearts and see is there any, any, way, any way that I have dishonored. One of the ways to find out is simply this. When you think of your dad, is there a pain in your heart? Is there a sense of is there, are there knots in your stomach? Do you feel, do you feel, you know, um, like tightening yourself? If you, th if, if you have those sorts of, if you have those sorts of feelings, well then, the li likelihood is that you actually made judgments of your father. And you'll need to, you'll need to um, forgive. The other related thing is that, as I've already touched on, we, we've all had different sorts of fathers. My father was a very driven man, very performance-oriented father. Performance-oriented meaning that your sense of worth, your sense of value, your sense of identity and, your, and, and acceptance came from how well you did or didn't do. So your sense of value is tied to your performance. And so my dad, because he was an orphan, he was orphaned twice. He grew up with that, and he passed that down the generational lines to us. And so we grew up with a strong sense that 
I'm only worth something if, I, if, if I'm the best or in the top three. So let's just take a minute right now because I'm gonna, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come afterwards and just release a fresh revelation of the Father's love to us because we need, we each, each of us, especially the men in this room, we need a fresh encounter with God's love for us as his sons, as, as men. We need that experience in order to represent him well. We can't, we can't um, work it up. We can't choose it as much as we would try. We can't self-will ourselves to be where we're supposed to be only by the power of the Spirit. So, Father, I just ask that right now, Lord, that you would shine the spotlight on our hearts. Lord, if there's any way that we have judged our fathers, we don't even have to approve of their behavior. We're just not judging them as people, as, as, as your creation. So, Father, we just uh, ask that you would show us if there's any place that we have judged our fathers. And, Lord, would you forgive us? Would you forgive me for judging my father for being an angry drunk? Would you forgive me for judging my father as being distant and withholding? Lord, I understand that he was only doing uh, what he had learned himself. And so, Father, we forgive him, we release him. And, Father, would you forgive me for any judgments I've made? Would you break the cycle of sowing and reaping in my life? bless my father as your son, as your created son. Amen.